Judges chapter 1, verse number 1, we're going to start a new book this morning in the Bible, and I'm excited about it. Uh, it's been a challenge to me as in preparation the last few weeks. And I want to kind of lay the foundation this morning, uh, then get into Judges chapter 1. I'm going to do my best to get through everything this morning. And so if you could stand to your feet, we'll, uh, if you'll read silently while I read aloud. We're just going to read the first four verses, even though we'll go through the whole chapter today. But I hope this will be uh, just kind of the beginning of the laying a part of the foundation. And then for sake of time, we'll just get right into the message today. The Bible says there in verse number one of Judges chapter one, Now after the death of Joshua... It came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first, to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. And Judah said unto Simeon, his brother, Come up with me into my lot, that we may fight against the Canaanites. And I likewise will go with thee into thy lot. So Simeon went with him, and Judah went up, and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand, and they slew of them in Bezek ten thousand men. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us. It certainly is good to be in your house this morning. Lord, people have traveled all over the Portland area to come, Lord, to hear from you. And Lord, I don't take that lightly. Lord, I ask that you'll help me get out of the way, and may you preach through me. Your Holy Spirit, empower me. May your message be preached your way. May we, be not ju- may we hear the word of God as you want us to hear it. And then may we not just be hearers, but doers also. And may we apply the word of God to our hearts and our lives this week. Be with every other church going on right now, the junior church, Lord, the teen church, the nursery. I pray that the kids will learn and be able to grow and and you'll be with those working, those serving in there and working. Prepare all our hearts. And may your word, Lord, find a home in our hearts today. Uh, that will help us, Lord, and will challenge us. We give you all the glory and praise for it. We ask you in your name. Amen. You may be seated. We live and work among a great variety of gods. Not only those of other formal religions, but also the gods of wealth, Celebrity, pleasure, ideology, and even the gods of achievement. Our error can be characterized by the end of Judges. Judges 21, 25, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And Rebecca Pipperett said it this way, whatever controls us really is our God. The person who seeks acceptance is controlled by the people he or she wants to please. We do not control ourselves. We are controlled by the Lord of our life. And I hope in our prayer is at Grandview Baptist Church that capital L, Lord, is the Lord, the King and Kings of our life. But if we're not careful, the tentacles of sin, of temptations, of little g-gods can grope at us and try to pull us off the course we need to be on. So what do we do when that happens? How do we respond to that? How do we learn from the people of Judges how to stay on track for what God has called us to do. The book of Judges is a wonderful book in a sense that it shows that the people started off right, but they got off track and they needed God to intervene and they should have had him from the beginning. But because of their sin, because of their not obeying fully, 
God had to pull back a little bit, but we also see the grace of God at work because he continually comes to the aid of his people when they cry back out for him. And I thank God this morning that though we may not always be on the right track, when we get off track, we have a God who is there for us. A just man follows seven times, but rises up again. And I'm thankful that we serve a God who is not only a God of rules and, and, and commandments, but he's also a God of grace and he is there to help us through our daily journey. Now, we can try to do our best or we can just lean on God and he can help us through each step of life. But we see this morning the children of Israel start off right. And if you read the first verse, the Bible says there, not after the death of Joshua. Joshua was the hand-picked successor, the next leader of the children of Israel after Moses. Joshua comes on the scene. He's one of two men out of all the children of Israel that actually believed that God was going to give Canaan to them. The other one is Caleb, which we'll look at in a little bit. And Joshua led these people. And in Joshua chapter 1, verse 2, he understood that God always kept his promises and God could always be trusted. The Bible says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise Go over this Jordan, thou and all this people unto land, which I do give to them. God had promised the land to them. All they had to do was go and take it. The dimensions of the land were chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. The Bible says, every place that sole of your foot shall tread upon is going to be yours. They just had to simply go and to take it. The Bible goes on to say in verse 6 through 8 that they must be God-dependent in battle and in their Christian walk. The Bible says, I will be with you. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage. Even when you don't feel strong, even though you don't feel courageous, be strong and be courageous. Men, have you ever been there before? Your wife says, is everything okay out there? Are we going to be safe tonight? Yes, we're going to be good. And then you wonder, I wonder if there is a prowler out there, you know. You've got to be strong and be very courageous. And it's amazing when you're strong and courageous how those around you say, it's going to be okay. Because daddy said it's going to be fine. Joel chapter 3 verse 10, the Bible says, let the weak say I am strong. There's something about saying I am strong and I am courageous with God. My spiritual disciplines, combined with my courage and bravery, God can use that. The Bible goes on to say in verse number 7, Mayest observe to do all the law, turn not from it, thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Joshua is telling these people, hey, if you'll just be strong and courageous, if you'll just trust God, if you'll just do right, if you just put him first in your life, if you won't turn from the right hand for the left, if you won't get mixed in with the Canaanites, if you'll just do what I tell you, you will have the land, and as far as you go, as far as you want it to go, it will be yours. Well, we see toward the end of Joshua's journey, he does this, and the Israelites receive great uh, success, They start seeing the land being won over. And then Joshua, toward the end of his journey, he says this in Joshua 23 and verse 3. Ye have seen all that the Lord hath done, for it is he who has fought for you. The children of Israel got to see through Joshua's leadership and strength and God's help that you can see, look what all God's done. God has done this. By the way, anything that we can look back and say, wow, look at their life. May we give the credit to God. Look what God has done. And so we see Joshua saying, don't forget how you got where you got. God did it. 
We see the Bible goes on to say in verse number five, the Lord shall expel and drive them out. He says, even though God's done it so far, you're not done yet. You still have more to do. Keep trusting on God. Ye shall possess the land as the Lord hath promised. Be courageous to keep and do. Turn not aside. Why do they need to stay courageous? Because it was not going to be a walk in the park to defeat Canaan. It was not going to be easy. This was an area of not just one king they had to conquer. This is one where every town, every village, every strong city had their own king, had their own government. They couldn't just kill the king Nebuchadnezzar and, and win Babylon over. No, no, no. They have to go to every single city, every single town, and they have to deal with that. They've got to destroy the people. They've got to then, at the same time, keep this, this land going so that the wild beasts don't come, the weeds don't come up, the trees don't grow. They've got to keep this going while they're also continuing to conquer. And it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be in a walk in the park. And Joshua says, hey, you need to continue to be strong and very courageous. But come not among these nations, verse 7, neither make mention, neither serve nor bow to them. All you got to do is be courageous, turn out aside. Don't come among the nations. Don't make mention to them. Don't serve or bow them, but cleave unto the Lord. If you take heed that you love the Lord your God, in verse 11... You will prosper, you will succeed, and this land will be yours. However, verse number 12, if you do not do this, the Bible says, Else if you do in any wise go back and cleave unto the remnant of these nations, even these that remain among you, and shall make marriages with them, and go in unto them, and they to you know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you, but they shall be snares, traps, scourges, thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God hath given you. I mean, I don't think it could be any plainer than this. Joshua says, if you will trust God, he's given you the land, you just got to go. You just got to go and do it. Do not turn to the Canaanites. Do not welcome them. Do not, do not become like the world. No, no, no. Destroy them. If you'll do this, I will go with you. However, if you do not do these things, it's very simple. You're going to be ensnared. You're, you're going to be like thorns in your eyes. You're going to be scourged. And you're going to perish. I don't know about you. That's pretty cut and dry. That's like going to the T in the road and saying, okay, I can go to destruction if I follow my own selfish pleasures. Or I can trust God and get prosperity. It's not that hard. You know, oftentimes the blessed life isn't that hard. It's just that you got to do what God wants you to do. Why is that so hard for us? Teenagers, why is that so hard for us? Because our flesh is bent to do wrong. <laughs> and the Bible says, Paul said, I have to die daily. I have to daily decide that I'm not going to follow the flesh, the world, the devil. I'm going to follow Jesus Christ, his righteousness, and do right. And when I do those things, God says, hey, I will give you the land and I will bless you. But what is so interesting about this, they got to continue to fight the Canaanites. They have to destroy them, not make them slaves, so they can take care of the land for them. No, you got to destroy them. I already shared already that there's many governments, many armies, many laws, and each city has to be conquered. They not only need to destroy the weak tribes, they also got to destroy the strong tribes. But God says, I will go with you. So we see in an in introduction that now after the death of Joshua, now we'll go to the rest of verse 1. The Bible says, It came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? 
So the children of Israel, Joshua has died. They remember what they had this conversation with, with the Lord, with, with Joshua. They said, let's go to God and say, who should go first? And God says, Judah can go first. So I want us to look at three different groups of people today. First off, I want us to see the half-heartedness of the multitude. So number one, if you're writing, the half-heartedness of the multitudes. And I want to see four different areas that the multitude of the tribes were half-hearted in. And I want us to see this morning that it's really our choice in the Christian life. We can choose to do it God's way or our way. If we do it our way, we're certain failure. If we do it God's way, he will he will uh, bless us. There's four different snares, if you will, four different temptations, four different traps that can be there for us. So we must make sure that we don't go down that path. So first of all, we see the corroboration trumps obedience. Corroboration trumps obedience. The Bible says in verse number two, And the Lord said to Judah, Judah shall go up. Behold, and this is very key, I have delivered the land into his hand. So Judah, it's very important you understand this. I have delivered the land in your hand. You have the victory. You you have the victory. But, but, you got to do it my way. You got to do it my way. It's kind of like the coach who says you can win if you'll do it my way. Oftentimes, sometimes the, the players can think they got it better and they screw it all up. But if you do it my way, you will win. By the way, Judah, I've chosen you. You're going to set a precedence. You're going to lead by example. If you will do it right, everybody's certain to follow. If you do it wrong, everybody's going to follow the way you do it. And we'll see tragically that they did it wrong. And because of that, very, no one else followed in his, in, his, uh, in his path save one or two people. So why, what did Judah do wrong? Well, first of all, I want us to notice the cooperation Trump's obedience in verse 3. The Bible says, And Judah said unto Simeon, his brother, Come up with me into my lot, that we may fight against the Canaanites. So what did Judah say? Judah says, Simeon, I know God said that the battle's ours, the victory's ours. I know he's going to give it to us. I know he said that. But I don't think we can do it on our own. I think that we need some more help. Okay, So think with me, if you will. Judah has already been given the promise. God says, if you'll go, I will deliver it into your hand. I don't care how hard it gets. I don't care how frustrating it gets. I don't care if you get behind the wall, if you will. I don't, I don't care if you can't seem to get over it. I don't, I don't care if you think it's impossible. I will give you the victory. And Judah says, that's nice, God. And I appreciate that. But I, 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 I need some help. And God says, no, you don't. If you'll trust on me and me alone, you can do it. And, and Judah says, no, 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 I need Simeon's help because, God, you're not enough. And may I encourage us today, Christians, how many times in our life do we feel like God is not quite enough? Now, we would never say that. We would never agree to that. But if we're not careful, God, God, I, I, I know you can help me. But, but if I had a little bit more help, it would be more doable. And God says, no, 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 no. Partial obedience tends to lead to disobedience. Will you trust me and me alone? Well, what happens? In verse number four, nevertheless, God gives victory and they capture the king. The king realizes that he deserves the judgment. 
By the way, if someone were to say, man, this is a merciless God. Why is God destroying all these people? Surely there's another way. This very king said, no, we deserve to be destroyed. And Tim Keller says this, God's judgment throughout history is to give people over to the consequences of the life they have chosen. And the Canaanites had chosen a life of wickedness. They were very cruel in war. They were very immoral in their lifestyle. They had selfish greed. They lived only for materialism. And their motto motto was, me first and anything goes. That was a very dangerous philosophy that if the Israelites started taking on to themselves, it was going to corrupt their land. So God knew even more than the Canaanite army, even more dangerous was the religion and philosophy they preached. So God says they need to be destroyed. Even this king realized, I understand what God's trying to do. I deserve to pay for my sinful life, my consequences. So we see the corroboration trumps obedience. And I want to continue to encourage you today. Is God enough for you? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God and his promises is enough for you? The world may be saying, I need X, Y, and Z. My friend may be saying I need A, B, and C. But I believe with all my heart that God is enough. I can trust him and him alone. And I believe he can deliver me. So first of all, we see the corroboration trumps obedience. But second of all, I want us to see this morning from the the half-heartedness, which led to half-heartedness, was common sense trumps obedience. Common sense trumps obedience. Now, we didn't go through every verse and read it. I want to encourage you to do it this week, but I will highlight these verses. Judah starts off doing pretty good. Even though he didn't fully trust on God, God still gives him the victory. And we see he gets to the point in verse number 19. It says there, And the Lord was with Judah... And he drave out the inhabitants of the mountain. So Judah was doing very well in the mountain territory. He was winning battle after battle. Things were going well. Even though he didn't fully trust on God, he trusted God enough to where God was helping him. And he starts seeing some victories. And if we stop right here today in the the verses, we could walk away saying, the children of Israel are doing great. I mean, Judah's doing doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not perfectly trusting on God. He's not doing exactly everything I should do. But he's doing enough. I mean, after all, he's human. He's not going to be perfect. So it's okay, right? Well, we see the second part of verse 19. Because he started just barely not trusting God fully, we see that leading to less and less trust. And instead of trusting God fully... He half-hearted trusts God and we'll see how it leads to he chooses common sense and logicalness over what God had clearly said. Look at the rest of verse number 19. The Bible says, But could not drive out of the inhabitants of the valley because they had chariots of iron. Judah's doing really good in the mountains. He's doing great. He's seeing victory. Though he's not completely trusting on God, he's trusting him enough to where God's still giving the victory. But he gets to a place where he hits a a wall. He hits something that is just too overwhelming for him. This is maybe a, 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 a sin that he has dealt with for years. This is a big thing. I mean, these are chariots of iron. 
They don't have any chariots. They may not even have many horses. They, they don't know what to do when these chariots come speeding down on them. And, and, and some of them had swords on the side of the wheels. And they could just, they, they, they basically were defenseless. They didn't know what to do with them. And Judah got to that point, And Simeon must have corroborated with them and said, you know what, we can't do this. And they get to a point where they say, this is just too hard. We've come this far in our Christian life, God. We've come as far as we're going to go. It's not my fault. I've tried. We've done the best we can. But God, you can't surely expect us to overcome the chariots of iron. I mean, after all, I know you said in verse number two, you gave us a victory. But you must have forgot about this aspect of the victory. I just want to encourage us this morning, church. I've been guilty of this and possibly you have. How many times in the Christian life do you get to a point where you realize this is more than I can handle? This trial is overbearing. This sin that I'm dealing with, it's a habitual sin, an addiction that I can't get over. Or this, this sin I'm dealing with is just too hard. I've tried. I've tried to get victory over it. I can't. So I guess God's just not going to give me victory over it. I've tried and that's all I can go. And God says, whoa, wait a minute here. I promise you victory. I didn't promise you it was going to be easy. I didn't promise you it was going to be a walk in the park. Your common sense is saying, God surely didn't mean this. And God says, no, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'm the God of the impossible. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I want to give you the victory. I want your faith to be stretched. I want it to grow. And I want you to say, God, I cannot do it on my own. In fact, I can't do what I've tried and tried and tried. God, it has to be all you. But guess what? They didn't have full faith in God. We already saw that earlier. And because they didn't have full faith in God, that little bit of faith they didn't have in God was enough to say, we cannot do the chariots of iron. My question to you this morning, church, is what in your life is keeping you from that victorious Christian life that you said, you know what? It's just a part of me. I just have to deal with it. I've gotten it passed down, it's a genetical thing, or it's, it's just this addiction that I can't seem to get over, or it's this relationship struggle. I just, don't ask me to forgive them. You don't know what they did to me. I'm going to be bitter, and just a small part of me is going to be bitter, but I'm going to hold this to the day I die. And God says, hey, no, I promised you victory. Don't let your common sense trump your obedience to me. I don't know about you this morning, church, but I want to encourage us to decide that I'm not going to let that wall that I'm up against, that thing that seems impossible, to keep me from keep serving God and trusting Him. So we see this morning the first thing was their not complete trust in God. The second of all was their common sense trumped obedience. It is our lack of faith in God's strength that causes ourselves to make decisions like Judah. Now, I find it interesting. If you study this out, I was was reading some commentary, so I had to go pretty deep for this one. But several times, those chariots had been conquered when they got him in the hills and in the mountains. So if Judah could have got him in the mountains, they could have destroyed them. But instead, they decided they weren't going to deal with it. I want to encourage you this morning that other people have struggled with what you've struggled with. And they have found victory over it because they trusted God. You say, well, that, that person just got it because they're, they're lucky. No, 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 no. They just may have just not given up and stayed determined. And they're going to keep after it. So we see, first of all, the, 
the cooperation, trumped obedience, not continued faith in God, not full faith in God, but second of all, the common sense, trumped obedience. But third of all, I want us to see the convenience, trumps obedience. So what happens? Judah says in verse number 20, and they gave Hebron unto Caleb. Now we're going to look at this later, but Caleb could get the job done. He just figured it out. He was Joshua's friend. He was one of the two that trusted God. And it's funny because when they got to the place that they couldn't defeat it, they said, you know what, Caleb, here, you take care of it. Now, was Caleb any stronger than Judah? I don't think so. But I think his faith was stronger than Judah's. And I think he believed that God could do it. We see, third of all, the convenience trumps obedience. Look at verse number 21. Benjamin is looking at Judah. He's looking at Judah. He's looking up to Judah. He's saying, Judah, what are you going to do? How, 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 are you, how are you going to fare? What's, what's your path? I mean, the first 19 verses, they see a big path. But Benjamin gets up and it says in verse 21, the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem. But the Jebusites dwell in Jerusalem and to this day. Isn't it interesting that Judah had the land given to him, but because they couldn't do it, Benjamin says, well, if Judah can't do it, I can't do it. I just want to encourage you this morning that your lack of faith is impacting more than just you. May I encourage you this morning, it could be impacting your family. It could be impacting your friends. It could be impacting those you influence. You say, well, I don't want that kind of responsibility. I don't want that kind of pressure. But may I say, if you're a a father or a leader of the home, may you grow in faith, if nothing else, so that those who are watching you can say, hey, if daddy can still do it, then I can still do it. I'm thankful this morning for a father who has had a lot of battles in his life. My dad has had a lot of difficulties. He tried to start a business from the ground up and, and, and almost, almost just had to quit. There was no way. And finally, God opened the door and he figured it out. There were some health issues. There were some trials. There were some frustrations. There were some difficulties. There's been some very low times when, as a son, my dad has called me and said, Justin, I just don't know what to do. And I'm like, Dad, you're not supposed to be asking me that question. I'm supposed to be asking you that question. And it showed me that human nature, no matter how old you get, you, you, still, you still wonder sometimes. You still struggle. Your faith sometimes gets rocked. But I'm thankful for a dad who never, who decided to never give up on God. Decided to trust God, and because he continues to trust God, I'm thankful that I can look at him and say, well, if my dad can continue on, then, then I can continue on. And could it be that maybe someone's watching you, and you're this close to quitting, and, and may you continue on because they're going to say, hey, if he can keep going, well, surely I can keep going. Maybe it's not a father or son. Maybe it's a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it's a junior church worker. Maybe it's a, a Sunday school, someone you had in your class 20 years ago who is now getting married and now having kids and they look up to you and you say, you know what, I'm getting tired. May They, they may still be looking at you. May I encourage us to keep on keeping on because people are watching us. I think of Joseph in verses 22 through 26. And the house of Joseph, they also went up into Bethel. Isn't this interesting? Look at the rest of the verse. And the Lord was with them. God's with you. I promised you. I'm with you. But what happens? The spies saw a man come forth out of the city and they said to him, show us, we pray thee, in verse 24, the entrance in the city and we will show thee mercy. And we see, unfortunately, that Joseph makes covenants with the Canaanite instead of destroying them, even though God was with them. 
verses 27 and 28, Manasseh fails to drive out the people, but instead he enslaves them because it benefits them. We see convenience happening. I know God said this, but it's more convenient for me not to deal with it. May I encourage us, we can fall into the traps of convenience. Why? Because no one likes to do the hard thing. Man, I'd rather go out to eat every day and have someone cook my meal for me. I would rather people wait on me every day, do my dishes, you know, get that steak just right. And if I don't like it, I can complain to them. If I complain to my wife, I'm eating by myself for the next five years, you know. (laughs) We like convenience. It's not easy to do the hard thing. But we see that Manasseh chooses convenience. Ephraim, in verse 29, allowed the Canaanites to live among them. Zebulun, in verse 30, opts to forced labor. And we see a chain reaction. Judah starts off right, but because their faith was a little weak, they eventually start, uh, through cooperation, they, 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 they choose common sense over obedience. And because of that, we see convenience start to happen and everybody that follows them. But I want us to see, fourth of all, We see cohabitation trumps obedience. Look what happens in verse 31. It just keeps getting worse and worse. Asher decides to live among the Canaanites and dwell with with them. Naphtali, in verse 33, follows suit. Dan, in verse 34, becomes confined to the hill country. And in verses 35 and 36, the Amorites, having no claim of greater resources, resources or numbers... Just plain had more determination and courage. And they fight Dan. Tim Keller says this, God's people have become less brave than the people who do not know him. Isn't that the case in our world today? Now, I know this is a very difficult thing, and I don't say this flippantly because I know this is hard. But isn't it sad when the world, the flesh, and the devil, the world has stronger convictions and courage in what they believe than many Christians do believe about their God. And because of that, it's deteriorating our great nation. Caleb, Othniel, and Achash said, no, no, no. I know what all these other tribes did, but we're not going to do it that way. So I see, first of all, the half-heartedness of the multitudes, but second of all, as we hasten on the wholeheartedness of the few. Look at verse number 12. The Bible talks about Caleb's offer. He gives an offer. Whoever will take this land, I'll give you my daughter. My granddaughter, one of the two. The covenant faithfulness happens in verse 13. Courageous obedience comes from Othniel. And he says, hey, I'll take it. We see Achash has a request in verse 14. I want the field and I want the spring of water. In other words, she says, my desire is to take what's mine. I want to settle in and enjoy the blessings of God in the promised land. Now, why couldn't have Judah? Why couldn't have Benjamin? Why couldn't Dan? Why couldn't Joseph? Why couldn't Manasseh? Why couldn't Ephraim? Why couldn't they have done that? Because there's a few sometimes who believe. God, I'm going to take you at your word and I'm going to trust your promises. And because of that, we see God blessed them. Last but not least, so I want us to see tonight, not just a half-heartedness, not just a wholeheartedness, but what's the heartedness for us today? The heartedness for us today. What implication does judges have for us today? You think maybe God was getting frustrated with his people? Will he give up on them? But if he gives up on them, what about the faithfulness of his covenant? 
Will he finally give up on his people and allow them, give in to his people and allow them to just do whatever they want? Well, then what of his holiness? These people have, have frustrated God. They've chosen not to do it the right way. Will God give up on them? But then what about his covenant he made with them? God doesn't lie. What about his holiness? So will he cave? So many times we just cave to what's keeping us from doing right. We just, eh, whatever, whatever you want, we'll just do. And God says, no, I can't do that. So what happened? Well, I believe on the cross, God showed us how to resolve this tension. On the cross, our sin, which we deserved punishment, was placed upon him. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. May I submit to you today that through Jesus' death on the cross, God satisfied both justice, because sin was punished, and loving faithfulness, since now he is able to accept and forgive us. Romans 3.26 says, To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Do you understand this morning that you have failed God and God should give up on you, but he will not because he's faithful to you and he's willing because of the cross. He died on the cross and he shows you that, hey, I'm willing to not only just justify, uh, to, to bring justice upon you, even though you deserve hell, I'm willing to justify you so you don't have to go there. Do we understand this morning that if you've wronged God, you deserve hell, but God is willing because he's a loving God to pay the penalty for you on Calvary? Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I, that's me, I've not done, I've not been perfect. I, I've not done everything right. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. Sin was given to every man because of Adam and Eve. And all have sinned. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Jesus Christ said, hey, hey, I know they have no hope, but I'm willing to go and justify them, even though they deserve punishment. I'm willing to die on the cross, but God commended his God gave his love toward us, and that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. So that gives you a T in the road. That gives you a choice. Either you can choose to do it your own way or you can put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I'll never forget as a 10-year-old boy, I realized I have broken the rules. I've, I've sinned and I deserve hell. But I want Jesus Christ to pay for my sin. I want to choose to let him justify me even though I don't deserve it. I remember praying and inviting Jesus Christ in my life and it changed my life completely. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're sitting there and you wonder, why I don't deserve God's mercy and grace. I deserve hell. Yes, you do. But Jesus Christ says, hey, I love you too much to let you go there. I want to take that pain and punishment for you. By the way, it's simply like a medicine bottle. The medicine is the blood of Jesus Christ, the gospel. It's sitting there just knowing it, just believing it. It's, you have to receive it. You must accept it inside of it. You must invite Jesus Christ in your life. And when you do... The Bible says you become a child of God. Let me encourage you this morning. If you do not know Christ, come to him. Maybe you know Christ, but you, you haven't been the most brave and courageous lately. May I encourage you that you can be brave because of your faith in God. And when you find it hardest to follow God's commands, 
May I encourage you to not choose common sense or what's convenience, but to choose instead to obey what God wants you to do. And then third of all, when you do see success in your life, which, by the way, it's amazing when you apply biblical principles, God starts blessing. But may you never forget the God that got you there. May you continue to lean heavily on him. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. First of all, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Maybe there's someone here this morning that would say, you know what, Pastor Justin, I'll be honest. I didn't, I didn't realize what God did for me. And man, I want him in my life. No one's looking around. We don't want to embarrass anyone. But if you do not know for sure you're going to heaven, will you give your life to Christ today? Will you believe in Jesus? With heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, would you say, you know what, that's me. I'll, I'll slip up my hand real quick and put it down. Anybody this morning? Say, I do not know for sure I'm going to heaven. Anybody this morning? God bless you. You say, Pastor Justin, I know for sure I'm going to heaven, but I'll be honest with you. I... I, I struggle with God's commands because I want to choose my common sense or what's convenient instead. And I struggle with this. Will you pray for me that I have the courage to obey God's command no matter what and not fall in the traps of convenience or common sense? If that's you this morning, we slip up your hand. God bless you. I see those hands. Maybe there's someone this morning who, who you're not being brave. You will admit there's, there's something in your life that you've come up against that's, that's really been too hard for you to overcome. And you'll be honest, you've stalled in your Christian life. Maybe it's a, a past sin. Maybe it's a past, someone being wrong, wronging you. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's, it's, it's a wall of addiction. You're addicted to something. And, and maybe that's keeping you from growing in your Christian life. And maybe you, you too this morning say, Pastor, just when you pray that I'll have the courage to get over that. If that's you this morning, we slip your hand. God bless you. Lord, you, you know the hearts. You saw the hands. I don't pretend to think that, um, you know, you couldn't work in other ways. So maybe there was other things this morning, that application that I didn't bring out, but maybe you spoke to hearts. Well, I pray you help these dear people. Some of them are dealing with some very difficult things right now. Their burdens are heavy. Their hearts are heavy. Their spirit is down. Their attitudes are struggling because they're just going through it. May I encourage them, Lord, to trust on you. Or may you help them in these areas. May they be brave to face that wall, face that addiction, face that thing that's keeping them from going forward. Lord, may they be willing, even in the successes of life and the prosperity they are enjoying, to not forget to continue to lean on you and to trust you. And Lord, I pray you help us to keep relying on you and choosing to obey you even though it's not common sense and their mind are not convenient when they keep on choosing you. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could stand to your feet, if you're physically able to, the piano is going to play. I invite you to come forward and maybe pray and spend a moment with God. Our pastors are down here that would love to pray with you. Maybe you'd like to make a next step decision of baptism. Maybe you'd like to join the church. Maybe the Lord is touching your heart uh, to, to invite him into your life. Maybe you have a burden that is just overwhelming you and you'd like someone to pray with you. Maybe you just want to make a commitment today. I want to I reinstate my life back to the Lord. I want to recommit my life to the Lord. I, 
I want to make it public to everyone that I want to put God first in my life. As God works in your heart, let me encourage you to just take a minute or two and allow God to work there in your hearts this morning. Please pray with those this morning in your hearts who are making decisions that God will help them. Maybe there's someone near you who you feel like you don't know them very well, but maybe the Lord will put them on your heart. Just pray that God will touch their life and touch their heart as only he can this morning. God bless you. You may be seated. Just one or two more things. I know we've packed in a lot today, but I appreciate you listening so well. Um, We have Rebecca or Becky Clement. Raise your hand right there, Becky. And Becky wants to join the church this morning. She's been saved and baptized. And uh, also, Jacob Fortmiller uh, would like to join the church this morning. And Sam Andrus is also wanting to join the church this morning. But he is going to get baptized. And so Jacob is up there supporting him. So let's go ahead and vote in Jacob and Becky. All in favor say aye. Aye. All right, it carries. Welcome to the family. We're looking forward to serving the Lord together in the future. And that's exciting. And we'll go ahead and vote Salmon as soon as he gets baptized as well. At this time, we're going to show uh, next video. Uh, while they get ready for baptism this morning. And so let's look at a few things coming up today. Good morning and welcome to our service. We hope this morning's sermon from Judges with Pastor Justin Lehman was a blessing to you. Join us tonight at 5 for the continuation of our series of 2 Thessalonians by Pastor Mutchler. We are excited about Tailgate Sunday coming up September 25th. Uh, It's just a special Sunday morning uh, with a sports theme. And so we ask that you'd come to church like you normally would, uh, but feel free to dress in your favorite sports team's gear and represent for your team. Uh, That Sunday morning also there will be many special things going on. Uh, in the kids' service, the teen services, as well as the adult service. And we have these flyers. And if you're thinking of someone who you could invite to come with you, uh, we want you to be able to invite your friends and family to join us on this special Sunday. During the 11 o'clock service, uh, we're going to be giving away five sets of tickets uh, in a raffle to both brand-new adult visitors 
And if you're someone who brings one of those adult visitors, you'll also be put in the raffle. And so be thinking of who you can invite for that Sunday morning, because uh, it will be special. And right after the service, of course, we're going to have food set up out in the parking lot uh, for everyone. And we have about eight or nine different uh, food vendors, different people in our church who will have food. And so you'll get to go down there and eat. And then we will gather on this football, we'll call it the football field, uh, our soccer field down there by the buses. And we are going to watch the staff men take on some of our church men in a quick flag football game. Also, be a halftime show with the kids, and they'll do a uh, punt pass kick, and so that'll be exciting. And then we'll get to hear a message from Pastor Justin right at the end of that football game. It'll be a very special and very unique Sunday morning, and we hope you'll take some of these cards and you'll invite some people to join us uh, on September 25th, Tailgate Sunday. Teenagers, don't miss out on the Timberline Youth Rally on Thursday and Friday, September 22nd and 23rd, for teenagers grades 6 through 12. The bus leaves Grandview both Thursday and Friday at 5.15 and will return at 9 p.m. Stay after school on Thursday for pizza and dodgeball before we leave for the rally. Plan to join us for Pumpkin Sunday on October 2nd. Come for professional family photos, a petting zoo, inflatables, and an apple slingshot for the kids. Also, you'll get to pick your own pumpkin from the Grandview Pumpkin Patch. Don't miss out on our starting point class today immediately following the service. You'll have a free meal, an opportunity to get to know our church better, and find a place to serve. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out a Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you, and you'll receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon, and we'll see you tonight at 5. Samuel Andrus, and he's coming for baptism today and membership. Samuel, let's go ahead. I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death. Raised in the likeness of his resurrection. All righty. All in favor of welcoming Sam into the membership, say aye. Aye. All right. Welcome to the family, Sam. God bless you. Yes. Okay, isn't that exciting? Praise the Lord, what a great ending to a great morning. Hope you'll be back tonight. I promise you, you're not going to want to miss it at 5 o'clock. And God bless you. You are dismissed. Take care. Bye.